The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. I don't know if you follow church news, but this last week, uh, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, he was in Hungary for a big Eucharistic conference, uh, Congress, and then he went to Slovakia to visit the faithful there. I have a particular love for Slovakia. It's part of my nationality. I've been fortunate to, to visit a couple times, having some family there. And while there, Pope Francis gave a, a very powerful homily and reflection on the cross of Christ which I think our liturgy and our readings, especially this gospel, this Sunday, really expound upon. That just like the disciples in our gospel, we can often think of our Christian faith in a very triumphal, worldly power sort of way, especially with our very American, Protestant, kind of libertarian worldview. And that could really have a detrimental effect on us at a certain point. Like in our gospel, we hear of the disciples, the apostles jostling for who's going to have the higher positions once they think Jesus establishes his empire, his kingdom upon earth. But as he told them, so he tells us, this is from John 18, my kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. The gospel is chock full of all these paradoxes. The kingdom's here, but it's not like here, here, right? So the disciples are often caught in between those two things. And right after that lesson, he says, If anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. And taking a child, he places it in their midst. Which is kind of like an odd thing to just like throw into this gospel. Mark, who's writing it. So if he's taking a child and putting it in their midst, this child must be toddler or smaller, enough where he could just easily pick it up and place it right there, right? What significance does that have? For the ancient world, right, only 2,000 years ago, uh, a child was quite a burden. Only one out of two children even made it past the year age one. So a child was a burden for a family to feed it, to defend it, I mean, it's completely helpless, right? All the luxuries think of we have today, of running to the grocery store when you're out of milk. Back then, you didn't have that. So taking a child, they all have this understanding, and he places it in their midst, and he says, if you don't serve this, there's no way you could be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And with that, Jesus teaches us that without servanthood and humility, the authority, which the apostles are just grasping at, Without that humility, it only divides and destroys. And that it's the love of Christ that is the basis of all authority and obedience, both in the world and in the church, and thus also in our own lives. They did not understand this saying. So our Holy Father was giving a homily on this, and I apologize, I said it earlier this week at one of my daily masses, but I think it bears a repeating again of such a beautiful reflection So I'd just like to end my words here and and give you his, just to internalize it, this cross in our own lives, because we all bear it to some extent. He says, We could fail to accept, except perhaps in words, a weak and crucified God, and prefer instead to dream of a God who is powerful and triumphant, 
This is a great temptation. How often do we long for a Christianity of winners, a triumphalist Christianity that is important and influential, that receives glory and honor. Yet a Christianity without a cross is a worldly Christianity and shows itself to be sterile. He could have saved his life. He could have kept his distance from the misery and brutality of human history. Instead, he chose to enter into that history, to immerse himself in it. That is why he chose the most difficult way possible, the cross, so that no one on earth should ever be so desperate as to not be able to find him even there in the midst of anguish, darkness, abandonment, the scandal of his or her own misery and mistakes, there, to the very place we think God cannot be present, there he came. A witness who bears the cross in his or her heart, and not only on his or her neck, views no one as an enemy, but everyone as a brother or sister for whom Jesus gave his life. A witness of the cross does not dwell on the wrongs of the past or keep lamenting the present. Witnesses of the cross do not employ the ways of deception and worldly pretension. They do not want to impose themselves in their own, but to give their lives for others. They seek not their own advantage in order to be seen as devout. This would be a religion of hypocrisy, not a witness to the crucified Lord. Witnesses of the cross have but one strategy, that of the master, humble love. They do not look for triumphs here below, because they know that the love of Christ bears fruit in the events of daily life, renewing all things from within, like the seed that falls to the ground, dies and produces much fruit. Witnesses generate other witnesses because they are givers of life. That is how the faith is spread, not with the worldly power, but with the wisdom of the cross, not with structures, but with witness. Today, the Lord, from the eloquent silence of the cross, is asking us, as he is asking you and you and me, do you want to be my witness? So he tells us clearly, the Son of Man will suffer, he will be killed, and he will rise. So, brothers and sisters, we are invited into this Paschal mystery to die with Jesus in our own cross, and thus also to rise with him. Are we willing to understand that? Are we willing to make it happen, or are we seeking our own triumphal end, seeking ourselves rather than him?